Thank you, Matt. Thank you, worship team. Uh, thank you, Wangers, for showing transparency yet willing to serve the Lord. Um, I don't know that I really need to, to preach. We could just have McKenna come up again and, and sing and, and, and see this picture of, of what we're about to talk about, this picture of parents and, and grandparents pouring into a, a young lady that she might uh, bless this body with, with her gifts. McKenna, never stop serving God with your gifts. It's a great privilege to, to have the opportunity to share the Word of God with you this morning on this Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to you mothers, you you grandmothers, you great-grandmothers out there. You are an amazing gift from God. I, I don't know how you do it. You're like the, the juggler who has five balls in the air at all times and is dribbling the basketball with his spare hand. Uh, a few weeks ago, my daughter compiled a list of things that, that she asks or tells her mother versus the things that she asks or tells me. And, and her mom's list went something like this. Things that I ask or tell my mom. Number one, I'm hungry. Number two, can I please buy this? Number three, does this shirt look okay? Number four, how long until I get my phone back? <laughs> Number five, can I paint my bedroom? Number six, can I get a dog, a ferret, a cat, bunny, horse? And, and the list goes on and on. Contrast that with the list of things that she asks or tells her father. Number one, math questions. <laughs> Number two, where is mom? <laughs> End of list. I, I don't know if you noticed, but my list is, is much shorter than that of, of my wife's. Um, and I don't know what your house looks like, but with an 11-year-old and an 8-year-old running around mine, it sounds something like this. Mom, can you get me? Mom, where are you? Mom, I'm hungry. Mom, 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 mom. Mothers, grandmothers, great-grandmothers, uh, once a year is not enough to, to honor you and to say thank you for all you do. I also want to be careful and, and extend a, a sincere thank you to you women out there who who are in our faith family, who minister to and, and who pour into the lives of children in some capacity, both maybe in and out of this body. Maybe you teach a Sunday school class or, or you volunteer in children's church or, or you rock infants in the nursery or even change diapers in there. Or maybe you volunteer at VBS or, or youth group or, or round up kids to go and sing at Susquehview. Perhaps you, you volunteer at the Good News Club in our local elementary schools. Maybe, maybe you just greet a kid in the hallway with a hug or, or a high five and you just love on them. Thank you. Thank you for being an example of godly living. The work that you do, women, the work that you do behind the scenes on a daily basis is the very heartbeat of your homes and this body. And make no mistake about it, it's a heartbeat that gets its rhythm from God alone and for His glory alone. Ladies, hear me out. You, you could make the meanest meatloaf ever tasted. You, your, your house might be the cleanest to pass the white glove test. You, you might be a master quilter or president of the PTO. But if you aren't modeling Christ and to those around you, your work is in vain. And so with that, I, I want to go to the Word of God, Proverbs 31. But let's, not before we pray, let's pray first. Gracious God, you are so good. 
You are so good. We praise you on this Mother's Day, Lord. God, we praise you for our mothers and grandmothers and great-grandmothers and, and just women in general who so selflessly and so humbly pour into those around them, God. God, I pray this morning that as we read through this, this text, Proverbs 31, that that there probably are preconceived notions and, and feelings about this, this very text, Lord, that maybe don't seem so honoring to mothers, God, or that are just difficult to, to attain, God. And so, God, I, I just pray that women this morning, God, would not walk out of this building discouraged by what they hear and by what they feel or by what the world tells them that they have to do and they have to look like. But God, that they would find their contentment in you and you alone. God, you are our shield. You are our strength. You are our provider. And you are our deliverer. We praise you for that. God, open hearts. Work in me, God. Take me out of the way. Do in me what I can't this morning. We praise you. We ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. Proverbs 31, beginning in verse 10. It's titled, The Woman Who Fears the Lord. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She, she brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and, and portions for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruits of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength, strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the to the distaff and her hands to hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is, is known in the gates where he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchants. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is in vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. So there's a story about some cows who are grazing in a field one day. And, and, and the cows are eating the grass, whatever they're doing, what cows do, and they, they see this milk truck passing by. And on the side of the milk truck was written in large letters the name of the dairy. And under the name of the dairy was this picture. And the picture was advertising the milk. 
And the picture was of this milk being poured out, this creamy, white, just beautiful-looking, pure milk being poured into this glass. But much to the cow's dismay, there was some finer print underneath the picture. They, they noticed this smaller print, and the smaller font said this. In small words, it said, pasteurized, homogenized, sanitized, and vitamin-enriched. Dumbfounded by this, one of the cows said to the other, I've never felt so inadequate. Women of the Big Woods Faith family, before we dig into this text this morning, I want you to know that, that I feel the weightiness of a passage like this on Mother's Day. Be, because I'm aware that, that for some of you here, perhaps even many of you, when I, when I mentioned the text Proverbs 31, you, you immediately felt as those cows did, inadequate. By the way, just a little disclaimer here. I mentioned the, to my wife that I was going to use this analogy, and, and she said, just what every one woman wants to be compared to cows on Mother's Day. <laughs> but, but I hope you can see past that and to the connection that I'm trying to make, and, and it's this. The, the Proverbs 31 woman appears to set the bar high. In fact, she seems downright perfect. And the more I've read and the more I've studied and discussed this with my wife, I've found that it isn't hard for women to look at a passage like this and feel inferior. It isn't hard for women to feel as though they just don't measure up, that they never will measure up to this standard of perfection the Proverbs 31 woman has established. To give an example of this, I am just blessed in a home group that I'm a part of with some very godly women. And some of them are single and some of them are mothers and some of them are grandmothers and great-grandmothers. And, and when I shared a home group this past week and, and asked for prayer about preaching on Proverbs 31, Mary Lou Johnson, whose name I use with permission, spoke up and said, be careful with that chapter. Every time I read it, I get depressed. And, and I tell you this because if there were a woman among us who, who I would point to and say, there's a woman who models what Proverbs 31 talks about. It would be Mary Lou Johnson. I'm well aware that if I, I don't address this section of Scripture with spirit-guided caution, that women may very well walk out of here today after this service feeling discouraged and feeling empty. Because like those cows, the best that they have to offer is inadequate. So without preaching the end of my sermon at the beginning, women, please let me encourage you in this. When we look at the totality of the Word of God, there's one standard of perfection from cover to cover, and that's Jesus Christ. It isn't the Proverbs 31 woman. In fact, she exists only as a model to point us to Christ. Questions arise such as, was she a real woman? How old is she? Were her children grown? Are each of these verses snapshots of her entire life, or, or are the, she, is she doing all these things at one time? I'm convinced that while those things are interesting and can be debated, they don't really matter. Why? Because this woman is a shadow. She is but a pale reflection of the one who would come and truly live a perfect life. Our Messiah, our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. I love the way that David Platt elaborates on this, and I can't do it any better, so I'm going to quote him. Platt says, think about it. 
When we turn the pages of the Bible in the New Testament to the life of Jesus, we behold a perfect man. A man who perfectly displays the wisdom of God. And as followers of Christ, we don't look at Jesus and say, I'm so discouraged by Jesus' perfection. No, we're encouraged by the perfection of Jesus that we see on the pages of Scripture. Christian men don't look at Christ and get discouraged saying, I'll never be like him. Neither do Christian women say, I expect my husband to be perfect like Jesus. Instead, men and women look at Jesus and say, his person is a perfect picture of the wisdom of God in a man, and we want to look like him more and more and more for our good and for his glory. That's how we have to view this text this morning. Women, I want to encourage you this morning with three points from the, from the life of this Proverbs 31 woman. I want to highlight three overarching truths from this text concerning how her life and inevitably your lives point to Christ. I've prayed for you ladies that you wouldn't be disheartened by this Proverbs 31 woman, but rather would desire to be like her. Not because she is the model of sinless perfection, but because her life of devotion to her family Diligence to her work and devotion to God inevitably point you towards Christ. And so with that said, I want to elaborate on each of these points. Point number one, the Proverbs 31 woman is devoted to her family. Verse 10, an excellent wife, who can find? She, she is far more precious than jewels. The, the ESV calls her an excellent wife. The NIV calls her a wife of noble character. The King James Version calls her a virtuous woman. All of these descriptors pointing to the fact that this woman was a very wise woman. And we see it reiterated again in verse 29. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. The NIV reads, many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. The Proverbs 31 woman is a wise, noble, excellent wife, and all versions agree on this. She is valuable. And she is hard to find. It's interesting that the, the same Hebrew word used here to describe an excellent or noble woman is only used four times in all of Scripture. Three of those times are in Proverbs, Proverbs alone. In chapter 31, we find it both in verses 1 and 29 that I've already read. And it's found again in Proverbs 12, 4, which says, An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. The fourth time that we see this Hebrew word for a noble woman, it's assigned to a specific person in Scripture. More on that later. But for now, understand that this word was not just used to describe any and all women. In fact, outside of Proverbs, it's used one time. It gives us a bit better of an understanding of why such a woman is so hard to find and logically follows that she is more precious than Joel's. And this concept is evident throughout the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 18.22 says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing. I, I read that verse. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. And I, my only response is, Amen. You don't hang around Mish and I long to know that I have married up. A former colleague of mine and friend of mine, after meeting my wife for the first time, used to joke that our marriage was arranged for religious reasons. <laughs> Little did he know that it was. 
just as God ordained in Genesis 2.20, a helpmate for Adam. God has ordained a perfect helper for me. I have found a good thing. We see verse 11, that the husband of the Proverbs 31 woman found a good thing as well. Picking up in verse 11, the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. Skipping down to verse 23, her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. We we see here that her, her husband is a respected member of the community and it's due in large part to the behind the scenes efforts of his wife. You've heard it said that behind every successful man is a, is a great woman. Behind the Proverbs 31 husband is a wife who fears the Lord. What does fearing the Lord look like behind the scenes, you might ask? It looks like doing the dishes for the glory of God. It looks like doing the laundry for the glory of God. It looks like taking the kids to soccer practice for the glory of God. It looks like running the sweeper and dusting and cooking and changing diapers and and training children in the way of righteousness. And and it looks like early mornings and late nights for the glory of God. And we see here in verse 23, it, it looks like a husband who is edified in all that he does by the selfless sacrifice of a humble wife. All of it, all of it for the glory of God. I hope that come out right. I, I really do. Women, I, I don't... I want you to know that the, the task your, your husband is doing at the proverbial city gate is no more important than any of the hundred that you're doing behind the scenes. God has created you equal in dignity with your husband, yet each of you are assigned very unique and different roles by him. Society would try to tell us otherwise. But in opposition to society, to a society that screams for fame and fortune and power, stands the present-day Proverbs 31 woman. Her identity is not in making her name great. It's in making his name great. Interestingly, the Proverbs 31 woman is also a Titus 2, 3 through 5 woman. Titus 2, 3 through 5 says, Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. That's exactly what we see in this text in Proverbs 31. Verse 15 says, She rises, yet it is still night, and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. Verses 26 through 28, she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also and he praises her. Is there any greater eulogy, women, than verse 28? My favorite part of Mother's Day occurs when my kids bring home their their Mother's Day cards and their gifts that they made at school. And and they present them to their mother with these half-giddy, half-bashful faces and smiles on their faces. And and I enjoy watching my wife look more and more surprised each year to receive this gift. But most of all, I I love watching her pour over the uh, illegible, misspelled, incorrectly punctuated sentences that honor her as a mother and provider. 
just Friday evening because he couldn't wait till today. My, my son Colin hands my wife her card and it, it says on the cover, Happy Mother's Day, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. We love you, mommy, you're the best, parentheses, literally. <laughs> Inside the card it reads, Happy Mother's Day, mommy. I love how you're always my sunshine when it's cloudy, exclamation point. And thanks for protecting me all these years. If you didn't already know, I love you more than you do me, exclamation point. Your present is my heart, draws a picture of a heart. Flipping to the back of the card, it says, P.S., I'm not your favorite son, because God says no favorites. So that means love your neighbor as yourself. Her children rise up and call her blessed. And in doing so, the Proverbs 31 woman points to Christ. That is good stuff. Continuing on in verse 28, women, elbow your husbands. You're going to want to wake them up for this. You don't want to miss it. Finally, husbands, something for you here and more later. Verse 28, children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Husbands, do you, do you rise up? Do you call your wife blessed? Do you praise her? You don't, you don't have to answer that. Your wife's face is finger pointing and elbows. Answer that question. Husbands, be convicted about this. I know I certainly am. Do you, do you write her notes? Do you bring her flowers? Do you, do you speak her love language? Your wife desperately needs a servant leader in the home. Are you that servant leader? Because you know what a servant leader does? He leads by serving. He leads by blessing. He leads by praising. Most importantly, he leads by loving in the same way that Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? By giving up everything, his very life, so that she, the church might be presented blameless. Husbands, rise up. Bless your wife. Praise your wife. Lead her by serving her. Point number one, the Proverbs 31 woman is devoted to her family by being the submissive completer of her husband and a skilled manager of the household. Point number two, the Proverbs 31 woman, woman is diligent in her work. Verse 13, she seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings food from afar. Skipping down to verse 16, she considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hand to the needy. She's, she's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. I just want to pause at this one for a moment because we can appreciate this here in central PA. Scarlet is this really deep red color. And we see in verse 13 that the, this woman selects wool. And verse 19 says she, she puts to use these tools for turning wool into clothing. And allow me to give you my theological take on this. The, the Proverbs 31 woman was really the founder of Woolrich. I, I mean, we... 
See it right here. Her children weren't cold because they were sporting the first of its kind wool Pennsylvania tuxedo, as the Woolrich Company likes to call it. That's not true. I'm sorry. Verse 22, she makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Verse 24, she makes linen garments and sells them. She delivered sashes to the merchants. The Proverbs 31 woman is a multifaceted woman. She has seemingly found great balance in, in managing not only the affairs of her household, but also a real estate transaction, free enterprise. She, she does opportunities for philanthropy. But what are we to take away from all of this? Christian women, I, I feel pretty confident saying that if you don't have a vineyard of your own, you don't have to run out there and, and consider a field and purchase it and then plant it immediately. Nor do you have to go home and grab your wool and your, your flax and your distaff and your spindle and begin, begin sowing away, which is great news for the McDermott family because I have no idea what flax is. But, but what do we glean from point number two? What do we take away from all of this? Take away this. God has entrusted each of you with time, money, talents, resources. Use these things as often as you can and as innovatively as you can for the, edif for the edification of your family and for the glory of God. Perhaps what personifies the diligence of her work the most is not the specific work she is doing nor the time of day she is doing it but rather the manner in which she approaches her work. Get this, the latter part of verse 13 says, verse 13 says she works with willing hands. The, the NIV uses the words eager hands. This long list of jobs and chores and responsibilities and even charitable efforts are approached with an attitude of great joy. It's a pleasure for her to do these things. And, and not only that, but verse 17 tells us that she dresses herself with strength which essentially means that she, she sets out to do these things vigorously. There's a rigor to her work ethic. Verse 27 says she doesn't eat the bread of idleness. Now we really hate her. <laughs> I mean, let's just be honest. I, I think we can get past the idea that she's a champion homemaker and, and while working on the side, she, she loves her kids and her husband blesses her and she feeds the poor and she makes her own bed coverings and clothes for herself and the kids and she seemingly never sleeps. But, but now we read that she's eager to do this stuff. That she finds joy in doing these things vigorously. I don't know about you ladies, but in the work that, that you do, but, but I've been known to take a few extra laps on the ride in lawnmower so that it gets dark before I have to weed whack, you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, my motto is the weeds will be there tomorrow. <laughs> so just how does this Proverbs 31 woman do this? What, what makes her capable of completing all these tasks? And, and do them with such great humility, with such great strength, with such great stamina. What makes her capable of joy with such a hectic schedule in front of her? Point number three is what? Point number three, the Proverbs 31 woman is dependent on God. Point number one, the Proverbs 31 woman is devoted to her family. Point number two, she's diligent in her work. Point number three, she is dependent on God. Women of this faith family, hear me out. Proverbs 31 is not a checklist of exact things that you must do to achieve godliness as if we could. 
You don't have to turn wool into winter garments, nor with flax. You don't have to make your own bed coverings or buy a field in order to plant a vineyard. You don't have to make linen into garments to sell. This woman we see described here wasn't a picture of sinless perfection, nor is she intended to be a, a, a picture of perfect obedience. The, the woman that we read about in this passage of Scripture is the model of a woman who first and foremost fears the Lord, which in turn, which in turn fuels her dependence on God, her diligence in her work, and her devotion to her family. To quote Tony Evans at the bottom of your scripture note, Tony Evans says, The Proverbs 31 woman is not the model of a perfect woman. She is the model of a committed woman under God. Picking up in verse 25, Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. Verses 30 and 31, Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Please, I want to tread ever so carefully here because I've never walked a day in your shoes. And by that I mean as a, as a man, I'm not wired the way you're wired, nor do I process emotions the way that you process emotions. I, I love you, but I don't understand you. <laughs> in fact, something I'm praying for the most in my life currently is that my 11-year-old daughter and I will both survive her middle school years. Because I'm convinced one of us is not going to make it. You want to talk about emotions. Whew. But, but in all seriousness, I, I pray that you're encouraged by these last few verses. The Proverbs 31 woman clothes herself in strength. She clothes herself in dignity. Why? Because she fears the Lord. To fear the Lord is to stand in awe of His attributes. It's to marvel at his majesty. It's to, to bow in reverence at his great infinite worth. Any strength that the Proverbs 31 woman can muster, any dignity that she has comes from him. Psalms 139, 13 through 16, For, you're formed in, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. She is as dependent on him now as when she was in her mother's womb. Continuing on in verse 25, she isn't stressed about tomorrow. In fact, she laughs about it. Why? Because she knows who holds the future. We sang the newer version this morning, but you know the jingle. Because I know who holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. She is dependent on him. Furthermore, the Proverbs 31 woman doesn't find value in her charm nor in her beauty. No, she, she, she holds these things loosely. Where, where does her value come from? Where does her, her worth come from? Her worth and her value and your worth and your value and, and my worth and my value come not from charm nor beauty. Praise God for that in my case. But from the price that God paid to redeem us. We were redeemed not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious, precious blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. 
we were worth. God loved us enough to send His own Son. She was. She is dependent on Him, and we are dependent on Him. And in my time remaining, I want to make this applicable to all of you this morning. Because there's been a great focus on married women and and mothers. But I want to extend this focus to include single women and and childless women out there. And and also you men, we're going to hit you up. Let's get you right now. Men, interesting connection for you here. You probably have felt a bit left out today. I'm sorry for that. But there's no need to feel left out. Because the really interesting thing is the intended recipient of this entire passage, Proverbs 31, the intended recipient of that was you men. Go to the beginning. Proverbs 31, verse 1. It says, The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that who taught him? His mother. It says, the words of King Lemuel, an oracle oracle that his mother taught him. What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? Do not give strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. You see, King Lemuel, we don't know much about him. Ancient Jewish tradition sort of alludes to the idea that this is Solomon, which would make his mother Bathsheba. But what we know is that he wrote the entire rest of Proverbs here, all of chapter 31. In fact, from 10, verses 10 through 31, where our focus was this morning, it's actually written as an acrostic poem. In the original Hebrew, it it, it basically uh, used the 22 successive letters of the alphabet in the original Hebrew to, to create this poem. And the intent of that, the intent of that poem was that it would be more memorable that he could memorize it, that the men who heard it could memorize it and know exactly, exactly the kind of woman that they should look for in a wife. The latter part of Proverbs 31 was an oracle from a mother to her young king for the purpose of describing a woman of noble character. This is the kind of woman you want to marry, my son, a wife of noble character. Who can find her? Lastly, single women, perhaps you feel as though Proverbs 31 doesn't really apply in some cases to you. The, the woman that we read about here is married and she has children. Furthermore, she's, she lives a wealthy, comfortable life, it seems. She, she's complete with the best clothing and, and women's servants even. Yes, she does much with what she has, but she's got a lot to work with. But maybe you find yourself in just the opposite situation of that this morning. Instead of married and wealthy and comfortable, maybe you find yourself single and just scraping by and, and, and destitute this morning. I, I want to make an interesting connection from the Proverbs 31 text that will, will certainly apply to you. Hear me out. Recall I said that in the Hebrew, the Hebrew word for an excellent or noble woman is only found four places in Scripture. And the fourth time it's, it's unique because it's it's assigned to a specific person. Who in Scripture would, would be worthy to be called noble woman or translated here worthy woman? Ruth. Ruth 3, chapter 3, verse 11. Boaz is speaking here. He says, And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask, for my fellow townsmen know that you, Ruth, you are a worthy woman. 
This is really interesting on a number of levels. We know that the Proverbs 31 woman was wealthy, and Ruth is clearly not wealthy. She's starving. There's a famine in the land. Proverbs 31 woman has got it all together. Ruth is destitute. Perhaps some of you have already sort of tuned out because you aren't a mother, or perhaps you, you aren't even married, and I would invite you to look at Ruth. She's a, she's has no children, and she's a widow. She's single. Yet Boaz calls her a worthy woman, a, a woman of great virtue. In, in Ruth, we get to associate a real face and a real name with this unnamed Proverbs 31 woman. And furthermore, we've got to see the the deeper connections here. Just as the Proverbs 31 woman was devoted to her family, so was Ruth. I wish I had more time to spend, but Ruth chapter 1, verses 15 through 18 says, Look, said Naomi. Understand, Naomi was Ruth's mother-in-law, recall. And she's a bitter woman. She's lost her husband. She's lost her two sons, one of which was Ruth's husband. And in verses, chapter 1, verses 15 to 18, Naomi says, Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and to her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and my God, your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die and I will be buried and may the Lord deal with me ever so severely if even death separates you and me. Like the Proverbs 31 woman, Ruth was devoted to her family. Furthermore, just as the Proverbs 30 woman, 31 woman was diligent in her work, Ruth was diligent in her work. We see in, in chapter 2 where she's, she's in the harvest field and she's picking up stalks of grain behind anyone who's kind enough to let her do it. And then Boaz comes, around, comes about and, and he, say, you know, he says, Who is this young woman? Who is this? In verses 5 through 7. And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answers. He says, she is a young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and get this, she has continued from early morning until now. She's continued all day doing this. Except for a short rest. Ruth was diligent in her work. Lastly, Ruth was devoted to the Lord. Ruth chapter 2, again, Boaz is speaking here. He says, May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you've done. If you know the rest of this great love story, this man Boaz becomes what's called the kinsman redeemer of Ruth. He sees this destitute, childless widow and he pays the redeeming price for her. You see, as a kinsman redeemer, two things had to be true. Two things had to happen. Boaz had to be able to redeem. In other words, he had to be a close enough relative to be eligible to do this. And secondly, he had to pay the price of the redemption. He had to pay a redemption fee. Boaz was able and willing to pay that price. Mothers, women, friends, men, this morning... We are all, we are all in our current state like Ruth. We all stand destitute before a holy and righteous God. And and like those cows, we are found lacking. But praise God this morning 
that we have a kinsman redeemer. We have one who was able to come and redeem and who was willing and able to pay the price for our redemption. And his name is Jesus Christ. He he was able to redeem because he was the perfect, spotless lamb of God. And he paid the price for our redemption by taking upon himself all of our sins and all of our destitution and all of our inadequacies. And on that cross, he paid the penalty for our ransom. Be encouraged this morning. For as it says in Ruth chapter 4, verse 15, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. Let's pray. Gracious God, I just praise you for your word, God, for truth, for life. And I thank you again for the the women in this faith family. I pray that they would feel your presence, God, as they apply this text to their lives. God, I, I pray for their hearts, Lord, that you would guard their hearts from the evils and lies and deception of this world. That, these, that the women of this faith family would find their value in you and in you alone. God, I pray that for each of us. I pray that as each of us have been rescued, as each of us have been redeemed, Lord, that, that you would make us so, so bold to, to share the hope that we have with others. That there is this kinsman redeemer who has paid the price and has redeemed us for His glory alone. We ask all these things in Your Son's most holy name. Amen. Thank you so much, Matt. Would you uh, stand with us as we do close this morning?